With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Underdog Podcast from SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty. All right, everyone, welcome to the Underdog Podcast where we talk G5 football and only G5 football for Underdog Dynasty, the home of G5 football on SB Nation. This is Joe Serpico, and of course, I'm on the other line with Joey Broback. Say what's up, my friend. What's going on, everybody? It's uh, an exciting day for us here on what we've been calling Joe Talk. We are very pleased to welcome the commissioner of the American Athletic Conference. We've got Mike Garesco on the line. How you doing, fellas? Great to be with you. We're glad to have you here. We are excited to have you here as well. Um, Thank you. There's a couple things we really wanted to talk about. It's an exciting time for the conference. Um, Joey's going to get us started with some talk about the national championship. We'll talk a little bit about the whole P6 initiative. And then we'll kind of talk about some of the more recent things that are happening with college basketball and baseball as well. So, Joey, I know you wanted to get it going with the UCF talk. I know we've been big advocates of loving what they've been doing. So let's just start the discussion there. Yeah, Mike. So we've been we've been talking about on this podcast that, you know, there's been debate about UCF claiming a national championship. And we both agreed that we thought it was it was a good way to get the conversation started about some issues in college football. And for some reason, it seems like Alabama just can't let that go, which has been kind of entertaining. How do you feel about them claiming a national championship? And then what do you think it does to the conference? Well, first of all, um, I think it's fine, and uh, I think I'm surprised it's gotten under Nick's skin the way it has. Um, You know, I mean, Alabama won the the CFP National Championship, and, uh, you know, uh, what UCF's doing, it doesn't, it has some precedent. It's not unprecedented. You know, teams claim national championships for various reasons over the years. Uh, The Kali Computer Index, which is one that's used uh, by us in in a merit pool with the other, uh, you know, G4 members, you know, I'm surprised you had me on because I, I I don't talk about G5 much anymore as you know I, I talk about P6 and and that's a pretty big initiative but uh, you know I appreciate it of course I'm being uh, you know a bit facetious about that I'm thrilled to be with you but uh, the Kali Index had them number one and you know Alabama and others have claimed national titles on on uh, I, I would think. Um, lesser uh, basis than that. So I think they're having some fun with it. I think it's been a brilliant, uh, you know, uh, promotional move, PR move by Danny White. He deserves a lot of credit. Um, and, you know, it's funny, uh, 30 years ago, they, they would have been the national champion. Uh, as you know, uh, maybe even 20 years ago, I don't know. Uh, you remember when BYU won it? 
uh, arguably they may not have been uh, necessarily the team with the strongest schedule. They, they ended up playing a 6-5 Michigan team in the bowl game. Uh, we played Auburn. You know, UCF played Auburn, which was number two in the country at one point, number seven. Uh, we're supposed to get crushed by Auburn, incidentally, and you saw what happened. Uh, and they're the only undefeated team. If that had happened uh, years ago in college football, they would have been the undisputed national champion. You know, obviously there was no alliance, no playoff. But, you know, I've never um, wanted to denigrate the um – the CFP playoff, and I'm not going to. I mean, it's they're, they're the official national champion as far as that goes. We're part of that. But I think uh, UCF can make a claim. They can have some fun. They can reward their kids for a great season. Uh, you know, you, you don't want to take it too, too far. I mean, obviously, now the season's going to be starting in another three months, and uh, we want them to continue to, to do what they've been doing. And uh, but, but also, you, you said something interesting. It brings attention, though, to the fact that they really should have been one of the teams in the playoff. Uh, and they could have beaten every team in there. There is no doubt in my mind. I said it before the Auburn game, and everyone thought I was going out on a big limb. I said our top teams have proven over the last five years they can play with anyone, and they have. Houston, Florida State, Houston, Oklahoma, Houston, Louisville. We all saw what happened. UCF Baylor when they were, what, six in the country, destroying the Big 12 week after week, and look what UCF did. Uh, you know, I knew that, and sure enough, they proved it. You saw that game. I mean, they dominated good parts of that game, and it, it could even have been a, a two-score game. Um, so, you know, I think they could have beaten any team. This was not a vintage Alabama team. There's no question in my mind. Georgia, young quarterback, the whole deal. Uh, the other thing about UCF is people overlook the fact that probably a dozen or more players on that team that are going to be NFL players. They already had four or five draft picks and uh, several, a couple of free agents signed. And um, as far as I'm concerned, you know, it would have been very interesting to see. What would have been really a lot of fun, of course, is if Alabama and UCF could have played, you know, an opener this year. But it, it wouldn't be the same because it's not the same team. You know, uh, people didn't know about Shaquem Griffin. They didn't know about Mike Hughes. They didn't know about all the great players. You know, Mackenzie Milton, uh showed in the second half of the Auburn game why he's as good a quarterback as anybody in the country. He's making plays that even the pros don't make. So I don't think that um, there's any question that UCF should have been there. And even if they weren't ultimately picked for the top four, to rank them 12th was ridiculous because they were a really good team. Houston was ranked 18th when they were 10-0 and a few years ago. And that was a really good Houston team. And they didn't get the ranking they deserve. Our league hasn't gotten the respect it deserves. I, I hope it will. I think what Dan he's done is bringing a lot of attention there's always a flip side you know if they don't perform everybody will go after us but that's life you know we're we're big boys we can take it yeah i think it's a perfect argument everything you just said there but i kind of want to just take it you brought it up the college football playoff with everything that happened this past year what is the conference's opinion or maybe moving forward trying to get it to maybe stretch it out to eight because it seems like this would have been a perfect year where maybe it should have been an 18 playoff i know it's going to take some time until we get there but it's a perfect example of maybe why they should do that to allow other teams to get in there well, I, I expect it might get there down the road, but it's still, it's tough, you know, when you're playing at this level, you know, big time college football, it's tough on the kids, it's tough on everyone, and, you, you know, you just don't want too many games. Um, 
the other thing is, uh, I told our people, there's no guarantee that if it goes to eight, that things would change. There's no guarantee that they would put in five, you know, so-called P5 champions plus a G5 top team, and then a couple of that large. It might just be the top eight teams, and you'd, you'd be fighting the same battle because UCF was outside that group. So was um, Houston, obviously. So UCF probably would have been back in 14 or 13, rather. So, you know, the question then becomes, you know, what kind of playoff would it be? I'm not advocating for it. Right now, the, the season's long. <clears throat> you know, the, it's a lot of wear and tear on the players. I'm not sure that... Uh Eight teams would necessarily solve, you know, the problem we have. I mean, it would give us a better shot. I'm not going to argue that. Do I think it might happen? It might because if there's inflation in these kinds of events all the time. You know, they always tend to get a little bigger. I'm not sure if it ever does go to eight that it would go beyond that. You know, people talk about, well, what about a 16-team playoff? Like Division Three does it. Not even remotely the same. It's not the same. Don't play as many games. Uh, the wear and tear isn't the same. The media scrutiny isn't the same. All the things that put pressure on these kids is not the same and I, I don't think you want our, our student athletes playing an NFL schedule essentially so I, I have mixed feelings about it um, you know the other the other alternative that's been talked about is go to six teams and you know have a bye you know a bye week and, and you could do that and that would um you know, obviously give some, some more worthy teams a chance. But until we get the kind of respect and ranking that we deserve, I don't think that kind of thing is necessarily going to matter. Because, again, I don't think it necessarily would be set up um, that way. I've talked to people close to it. Um, and, you know, the notion that it's five conference champions, well, you could have a conference champion that was eight and four or nine and three and, and just happened to win in, in a weaker conference that year. And does that team really deserve to be in the playoff? Um, the other controversy, as you know, along those lines is, whether a team like Alabama didn't even win its division or Ohio State a couple of years ago didn't even win its division should be in there. You know, you didn't even have to play in a championship game, let alone risk losing it. And uh, that's a legitimate question, too. You know, the notion of, okay, what... You know how much does a conference championship really matter? Uh, do we do we ever see a two loss a worthy two loss team like Penn State a few years ago, which actually defeated Ohio State head to head, but had that extra loss, played a tough schedule? Um, are we are we really looking at strength of schedule uh, the way we should? You know we've had some teams that got in the last few years that have had very weak non conference schedules and, and might not really have deserved to get in. So you know a bunch of uh, issues around the college football playoff, not just whether it should expand. We've been talking about i mean we debated for a while why alabama got in over ohio state and expansion and why that just makes the most sense and it just happened to be that ucf was you know making this great run so obviously that made our debate even more entertaining to uh to do um i want to kind of focus on uh players here for this one so recently blake barnett transferred he's uh, speaking of alabama came from alabama and arizona state after alabama um, and then we saw like Kyle Allen from Texas A&M, and really, there's only been like a handful of of four and five star recruits. at Oliver is obviously one that we love on this podcast. Um, what do these decisions by these players mean for not only the teams but like the conference? Like having these players come to, the, I mean, Ed Oliver is obviously unique in that he's from Houston, but. Do you see that happening more in the future with this P6 movement? We'll get into that movement in a little bit. But what what do you see as – what do these decisions mean for those teams and the conference? 
well, you know, you'd always like to get as many four and five star players, assuming they're they're players that uh, are going to put their heart and soul into it. You know, you've got some teams loaded down with five star players, and and they don't necessarily win. You know, John Wooden once said, "You you need talent to win, but you know, a lot of people don't win with talent, as you know." So you want to get the right kind of kids. And we're thrilled to have an Ed Oliver and players like him. We've gotten some transfers who were clearly four and five star uh, players out of high school. But we have um, always operated on a little different basis. You know, we try to recruit the really, really promising two, three-star kids. Uh, you know, if you waste a lot of time on four- and five-star kids who aren't coming to your schools, it's going to hurt your overall program. And uh, what we figured out is that, look, we're, we're jet blue. We're not, we're not Delta. We're not, um, you know, United. We're not uh, American. We, we are a major carrier. We're a major conference, but we're, we have to do it differently. And JetBlue is a major airline, but they do it differently. And we have to recruit a different kind of kid for the most part uh, because we don't have schools with 150 years of tradition. We don't have, for the most part, the big flagship state universities. But alluding to one thing you did say, we are getting better. The P6 thing is real. Uh, our schools are getting more, uh, obviously, attention. We're winning big games, 26 P5 wins the last three years. You know, three big bowl wins in five years. The three we've been in, we've won them all against top ten teams. And when you do it that many times, it's not a Luke, and that's going to attract better players, better you know, touted players at least in high school. You know, I don't know if they're necessarily better than some of the two and three star kids we've been getting. Um, but it's just, it just you have to go about things differently. Just like we play Thursday and Friday nights, you know, we we don't love doing that sometimes, but we think it gives us a chance to you know show the country what we are, uh, have a night to ourselves. Uh, obviously, Friday's better than Thursday now in that sense because the NFL's on Thursday. But we get get great exposure and it's helped us build our brand. So we we just have to do things differently. And I think in the recruiting, it's getting better. Uh, I think we have a better chance to get some of those transfers and graduate transfers who were four- and five-star kids, for some reason, things don't work out at their schools, and they look at our, our schools. We don't get them as much out of high school. I think Ed was probably our only five-star kid uh, you know, in, the league has had in five years. Uh, we're thrilled to have him, of course. And, and, and also, you know, again, he was from Houston. His brother was on the team. Tom Hearn, tremendous coach. Houston was doing very well. You know, we hope to have those kinds of dynamics in place at other schools that would make those schools attractive to four- and five-star prospects. I think everything you said there was kind of a perfect segue to what I wanted to ask next was the next part of making this conference into the as a power six is trying to get in the same breath of everybody else in the terms of financial things. So I saw that recently the Navy has inked a new deal with CBS, but with that said, it has opened some doors for a when the new deal comes up for ESPN. So can we talk a little bit about what is the upcoming goals uh, for the conference in terms of uh, media rights and how that's going to be what really pushes the conference forward with this P6 movement? It's going to be, absolutely, Joe, it's going to be an absolutely critical part of what we're doing. Uh, In fact, it might be the last major, you know, uh, building block uh, because, as you know, we don't have the revenue the others have, but we've been doing it even without the revenue. You know, we've, 
when, when Memphis played Ole Miss after Ole Miss had beaten Alabama and Memphis beat and Memphis beat UCLA. You know, Penn State lost to Temple a few years ago and Temple, you know, uh, had almost beat Notre Dame a few years ago. <clears throat> Notre Dame was in the top ten. I could go on and on and on. We've done it without the resources, but clearly a, a TV deal, a media deal, it's not even TV, uh, just TV anymore. It's going to be very critical to our future. I don't think there's any question about it. I think that what we're looking for clearly is uh, far more money than we have. Our, our, the money we're getting as a conference is just an historical accident. It, it, uh, it's a rounding error that was based on a league that, frankly, nobody even knew whether it would survive five years ago, five and a half years ago. It's our fifth anniversary this year. Uh, but it's just not something that, um, frankly, um, you know, we, we just didn't have many cards to play then. Uh, and, and things are so dramatically different now that you can't even look at our old deal and work off that. You know, we, we have to try to now get a deal that, that puts us, um, you know, uh, within range of, of conferences. That we're, we're, we're doing pretty well. You know, we had uh, our, our ABC games this year had more viewership than the Big 12s. It's not a huge sample because we didn't have a lot of them. I think we had three and, and I guess maybe four if you count the championship game. Which was on ABC, but but that's pretty good. And we we out, our championship game football game outrated the Pac-12s a few years ago. Uh, we we do pretty good ratings. You know, we sometimes don't have. Um, the ability to be on Saturdays in some of those time slots that we'd like, but we're doing really, really well. We're a much more valuable conference. You know, we we uh, our, our goal is to play 24 P5, so-called P5 games. I should be saying other P6. That's our talking point. Uh, but the other other P6 games, uh, you know, annually. And we're scheduling home and homes with Oklahoma. Florida just announced a two-for-one with uh, USF, so USF will have Florida in their building. Uh, we're working on a whole bunch of other top games with top teams. Uh, we've got games against the Big Ten. Uh, you know, we, we, we're we really uh, upgrading our schedules, even from where we were before. And we've always played, you know, challenging schedules against P5 teams. And the difference now, fellas, is that when we play those games, everybody knows they're going to be competitive. We've got really good teams top to bottom. And that's really important. And the other thing we've done is uh, we've freed up the Notre Dame Navy game now to be in our primary rights package once we negotiate. What are we hoping to get from the TV deal? That was one of your questions. Um, obviously, the money has to be significantly more. We really feel we deserve it, and, and we feel we've earned it, and we feel that somehow, some way, we'll, we'll figure it out. But second, exposure is going to be different, and we just have to figure out the right blend. Whether we go with our partner ESPN, and we love ESPN, and we're hope, hopeful to get you know, of getting something done, you know, they, they may want product on ESPN Plus. That would be different than what we're doing now. Uh, we don't know how much they would want. Uh, we don't know yet that they they want it for ESPN Plus, but that's our goal, our, our guess. In addition, you know, the uh, the big online companies are getting into sports. Facebook, Amazon, Twitter, YouTube, and others. And they're going to be looking for product, and they're already starting to do sports deals. So if that's the case, would we be involved in that? And uh, how would that work? Um, we think that uh, we've got quality product. There's always a market for quality product. Uh, exposure, though, the right blend is, is going to be very important. And then the length of a deal that we do would, would be important. You know, are we going to be – 
better off doing a long-term deal, getting the money we need, make a P6 statement, because that's really part of this, too. You know, our overall goal is to be a P6 conference, and we have to have revenue. It doesn't have to be the same as the, uh, we don't, ex- we're, we're not crazy here. We're, we don't expect um, the same money as the Big Ten or the SEC, but we can get closer to leagues like the Big 12 or the Pac-12. Maybe we won't get what they get, certainly, but we can get closer to them. You know, the, the, the thing they have going for them, of course, is they have a, a, a university, flagship university or to like a Texas, Oklahoma, and a USC that kind of props up the whole league. Uh, we're starting to get that now with the UCF, USF rivalry, and with you know what uh, some of our other teams like Memphis and Houston and Temple have done. But I'm not going to argue that we're exactly the same, and that's the only reason you know you know we we wouldn't be uh, necessarily uh, you know getting that kind of money. But we think we'll do so much better, and that'll mean a lot because we can do more with less. We've already proven that, and once we get into a certain range. I think we become certainly uh, uh, we we look even more like a P6 conference. Even the P6, the other P6 commissioners, the P5 commissioners have said that there's more commonality now with us than there was five years ago, five and a half years ago, and there's no question about it. So TV is going to be very important. It's also going to be tricky because, you know, the marketplace is always uh, tricky. Uh, But we hope that uh, we generate the kind of interest that, uh, you know, uh, that these schools have earned. Yeah, I think you mentioned some great, uh, some great games from this past season. Like the the Houston Memphis game, that was I think that was a Thursday night game that the Memphis came back and that was an entertaining game. Even when Tulsa played Toledo, that was a high scoring game as well. So, like you said, I agree that there's plenty of games that are you know they're not on a Saturday, but they're still entertaining to watch, and it's definitely something that people really should be watching if they're really college football fans it doesn't matter if you're a p5 p6 g5 whatever fan those are their entertaining games to watch and that's that's really all that should matter um oh, speaking of that don't mean to interrupt you though but oh, you're yeah. right okay you know, they, they they're not only entertaining games though they're 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 games that have some national significance now and i think we're going to be the, the the proverbial fly in the ointment in the cfp for for years to come uh, until we finally get to that p6 uh, status and maybe that's sooner than later but the truth is we're going to be nationally relevant we are and and that makes a big difference plus these games are entertaining and we put a really quality product on the field there's no question about it you don't win as many p5 games or play competitively in, in as many p5 games as we do without putting out really really good teams and and that's what i think people are attracted to we play exciting football we've got exciting offenses we've had a lot of great games you know two two of espn's highest rated thursday games a few years ago were our games and uh, i'm not surprised and you know the uh, the war on i4 set an all-time conference record i think we had four million whatever viewers four four million plus uh and and that was one of the best games of the year athlon sports voted at number one i think most of the writers agreed you'd be hard-pressed to find a better game that was played and i think people will look at us and, and you look at a game like that and you say that's a big time game and uh that brings me to one other point before i, I, I sorry to interrupt you but um that usf should have been ranked by the committee i think it's absolutely ridiculous mm-hmm. that they weren't uh, you saw in that game how good they were and they ended up um 
you know, as you know, uh, they ended up 11 and two on the season. Quentin Flowers, uh, you know, that that game on, on Friday after Thanksgiving was as as great a, a game as you'd ever want, and it just shows what this league uh, has become and what it's going to be down the road. Yeah, and so that that transition. So even even the conference championship game with Memphis and UCF that that was up there as well um, as a game that I know I personally was glued to the TV. I couldn't stop watching. Um, so with that being said, transitioning to this. Uh, so right now the conference championship game is played at one of the team's stadiums. Are you looking to have a neutral site for the conference championship game? Like, is there something in the works or do you like the setup that you have now? I think we'll keep the setup we have now, at least uh, for the, the near term. Uh, to go to a neutral site in our conference with our uh, ge- geography would be very tough. Uh, one of the things the uh, the home site does is uh, almost guarantee a really, really good crowd. We've had uh, tremendous crowds uh, all three times for our championship game. We had two sellouts and one year sellout. And uh, a neutral site uh, probably wouldn't really work as well for us. You know, where would you put the game? Uh, where your fans could get there easily, um, we'd risk you know not having the kind of attendance we want. I mean, look at the Pac-12; they struggled with that attendance, even with teams in the general area being in a neutral site. Uh, so we think that that's going to probably stay the way it is for a while. Down the road, who knows? Um, but I think with the league's footprint and, and the, uh, the schools that we have, it just makes sense to have it at the, the home site. And it also makes for some excitement during the year as teams compete to get that home site, which is you know is very important. I don't know how you keep finding yourselves in like the perfect little segues into what I'm going to ask next because my question was going to be about uh, you mentioned the UCF and USF and Temple, how they are really making a name for themselves nationally. Two of those schools, uh, Temple and USF, they are currently looking to possibly put on campus stadiums. Does the conference play a role in that, or does that strictly come down to universities' decisions? Pretty much a university decision, yeah. They work with the local community. They figure out their needs. They uh, they gauge their fundraising to see whether they're, you know, this is a feasible project for, for them. And and uh, we we advise, we help out where we can, uh, but we, we try to stay out of those kinds of decisions because they're really unique to the institution. In USF's case, obviously, uh, you know, uh, they have land, uh, they have, uh, you know, places where they could put a stadium that would work quite well, uh, but they have an excellent relationship with the Bucks, and, uh, you know, obviously playing a beautiful stadium, uh, sometimes, you know, attendance is challenging because it's such a big stadium. Uh, Temple situation is a little different, you know, they're, they're in a, in a, you know, an urban environment, not a lot of land, but they've managed to, to carve out a spot where they could do the, uh, you know, the, the stadium and uh, we, we're fully supportive when, when a school wants to do that. We think that the uh, campus stadiums are great. You know, you get the kids involved, you get your students involved. Uh, if it, the stadium's smaller, you, it's a tougher ticket. You get nice crowds. Uh, Temple's had some great crowds at the Link in Philadelphia, but sometimes, you know, they'll have thirty or 40,000 and the place will it'll look empty or half empty because it's a 75,000 seat stadium. So, uh, you know, whatever they do, though, is... Um, 
is fine with us. And if they need our help, of course, we're always willing to pitch in. Yeah, it'll be nice to have uh, on-campus stadiums. I, I went to a school that had an off-campus stadium, and it's just not the same atmosphere when you have to go somewhere else. Um, it's a lot easier for students to kind of get there when it's right on campus. They don't go super far. So I'm hoping those those get done, and I, hopefully that helps their attendance as well. Um, we're going to kind of switch gears here. So uh, obviously the news of sports gambling just came out. It's still pretty fresh. So we wanted to ask you, what impact do you think sports gambling will have on, on college athletics in general? And then do, do you like this change, or is this something you're opposed to? Yeah, I don't like it uh, at all. I understand the Supreme Court's rationale. I understand the decision. Uh, but it's up to the states now, and, and you know I'm hopeful that the states don't, don't permit gambling on college games. I think it can be very, very uh, destructive. I, you know, you're, you're, you know, temptation's temptation, and when you, if you've got uh, a lot, of, especially a lot of students, you know, gambling, and it's easy, and you can do it online, and you can do it in the stadiums, you know, the the potential for mischief, and even for innocent mischief, where the kids don't understand it, when they ask a player how so and so is doing, is he injured, is he is he okay, is he going to play, that 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 kind of thing is something that is absolutely verboten. It's not something you're supposed to do, uh, and kids are going to get you know potentially caught up in some of this. Compliance costs are going to, going to skyrocket for schools. Compliance efforts are going to be tougher. Uh, I think the potential for you know scandal uh, would would go up. Uh, you know, again, we we try to instill values in our players, and we feel we have honest players, and we we have kids who have great you know integrity. But you know, uh, life being what it is, you know, there are going to be some issues with with something like this it's not something that's going to be simple at all um and you know I, again I, I don't know where it's going to go i don't know whether it's going to be so ubiquitous that it's just just consuming you know you don't want you know the tv and media coverage to be nothing but betting lines and gambling and over-unders and all of that uh that, will it have an impact some people say well it'll have a great impact on ratings ratings will go up I, it'll have some impact i guess i mean I mean, there's unfortunately there's gambling going on now, and so that clearly ratings probably are affected already by that. Um, you know, pro sports is a little different, but even there, you know, you're going to have some potential issues. So it's it's a um, it's a real concern for us. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen, and, and then of course there's the issue of what happens with the revenue. Some states, you know, some some universities are looking for for revenue to cover some of these additional compliance costs. Also, you know, it's essentially using the um, the product that uh, you know the schools are producing to uh, you know to generate all this revenue, so that's another issue. Oh, we haven't really you know given it that you know a great deal of attention yet. We've got so many things going on right now in our league. This is going to be a very very uh, dicey situation as because you go forward. Yeah, I think it makes sense for the professional level to embrace it because there is. They, I mean, their athletes are guys that are already making millions of dollars, so it really doesn't really need to help them. But at the collegiate level, that that all changes. So I think that's where that's the perfect word you said there was dicey. Um, I kind of wanted to switch gears here because we can't just bring you on and talk football only here. I first want to talk about, so I went to Temple University and one of the main reasons why I went there is because I grew up watching uh, John Chaney's Owls. I wanted to go to a school that had a great college basketball program. So, and 
as of late, you know, we've got a group of coaches that is very impressive. Um, Temple loves playing uh, competition that is top tier. And then I really wanted to ask about what impact that Wichita State has brought to the conference because I saw numbers where their attendance for not just their home games, but even in the, the conference uh, tournament games and things of that nature, where the, they really showed up. So talk about their impact on the league because I don't want them to be missed with with all the football that we do here. Yeah, you know, it's great to talk about basketball because we um, we didn't want to be a one-dimensional conference, you know, just football. We've had to work really hard to build football, and, you know, it drives TV deals. It's extremely important. Uh, it tends to be the cornerstone of athletic programs, but basketball is really, really important. I mean, there are two major sports in our country, and it's obviously football and basketball uh, in terms of at the college level, and then women's basketball in our league is also terrific. So thrilled to talk about basketball, and, and this is, I'm really optimistic. Uh, you, you alluded to our coaches and uh, you know the, the quality of our teams, this is going to be one of the best conferences in college basketball in a, in a year or two. I'm, I guarantee it. Uh, it's, it's already really good. You know, we we easily, with a little luck, could have had two teams advancing to the Elite Eight or Final Four that, that weekend, where Houston lost the heartbreaker and Cincinnati uh, lost that big lead, which just just tears your heart out. You know, it was the kind of weekend that uh, you know you just have to be resilient and move on. But it was. A tough thing, but you mentioned Wichita. They elevated the entire league. They energized the entire league. Yeah, attendance at their away games was as high as we've had with any visiting team. Uh, they brought crowds everywhere in our, our footprint. You know, when they came to UConn, they had a sellout. When they would go to Houston, they get a great crowd. Uh, they have not only fans who can travel, but they have a national brand, so local fans want to come and see them. You know, it's, this is anecdotal, but my sister-in-law lives in Maine. And the minute we added them to the conference, she asked me if uh, we could get get her tickets to the Shockers in UConn. You know, she would come down from Maine for that game. Uh, so it's not just uh, the fans they bring, but it's local fans as well who want to see them. And they have become a national brand. They're a lot like Boise became in, in football. And the other thing is they, they did bring people to our tournament. It was an exciting tournament, uh, but they also elevated the level of our play. Uh, we had the highest seeds we've ever had. There's probably no accident. That's probably no accident because they, they added another top-quality team. They lost five or six games in the conference and still managed to get a four seed. They would never have done that in the old Missouri Valley, and that's a good league. Uh, it's got some good teams, but they just wouldn't have been able to do that. They would have always been at risk of not even making the tournament. Uh, so it's been a huge plus. In addition, now we've added uh, Dan Hurley, at, uh, at UConn. We've added Penny Hardaway at Memphis. Uh, we don't know. I know there were some rumors about Kelvin and the pros, but if Kelvin stays at Houston, he's done an unbelievable job at SMU. Johnny Dawkins has done a phenomenal job at UCF. They could be our preseason number one team. Uh, you know, Wichita will have to reload, but they will. Cincinnati, Mick has just got a great program going there. Temple uh, Temple has uh, been a little up and down the last few years, but you know they're an outstanding uh, program, and Fran Dunphy is, is obviously a legend coach. Uh, so we, we've got so many good teams. We had to get the bottom of the league up a bit. And when you have Mike Dunleavy at Tulane, and they were very competitive, you've got Brian Gregory at USF, and now you have Joe Dooley, who's done a fine job at Florida Gulf Coast. And he was also at um, you know uh, East Carolina years ago. He'll, he'll get East Carolina 
back in the mix, and, and you know, we won't have any RPI teams uh, over 200 or, or uh, hovering around 300 anymore. We only had one last year, and, uh, you know, we were in the 100s, and many of our teams were uh, in, the, in the top 50. So that's what we want, and uh, that'll help us get more tournament bids. Last year, we were really headed for five. SMU was right in the mix until injuries destroyed their season, and the same thing with UCF. They never even got out of the blocks. They had three major players injured. If those two teams had been healthy, I think we'd have had five tournament teams. And I think in the future, you're going to look at anywhere from five, six, seven, eight teams competing pretty hard for tournament slots. I just see it. I just think we've got enough good teams in this league. But when you have great coaches, you you tend to get you know results. And uh, Penny Hardaway is is already brought in. I think four top 100 players. Um, uh, and um, you know we're we're looking at. Uh, at UConn, that's going to be a great fit, and we needed to get those programs uh, back up. You know, think about it. This league has been in the last couple of years has been a good basketball league mm-hmm. without UConn, Memphis, and even Temple being the forces that we think they can become. And when that happens, you know, I mean, I think the sky's the limit. So yeah, basketball, we're, we're very excited about it. It means a lot to us. We we had a great first year back in 2013-14. Had the national championship champion UConn Huskies. We had a women's national championship. We had uh, five teams in the top 25 most of the season. We should have had five in the tournament. There's no reason SMU was left out. We just don't understand why they didn't make it. But the point is, we slipped a bit. We, we typically have not had as many tournament teams. We didn't have the seeds we wanted. We've had a few cases where, you know, we thought Temple should have been in when they weren't, or SMU was on probation that year when they probably had their best team. You know, people forget SMU over a four-year period won well over 100 games. Uh, had great players, and uh, unfortunately, just a tournament tournament record doesn't reflect it. You know, they lost some absolute heartbreakers in the tournament, and the year they had probably had their best team, they weren't even eligible. So, uh, we think there's only upside in basketball, and I'm happy to see we're uh, you know we're refocused on it, uh, as well as uh, obviously having great football. Yeah, it is an exciting time for the conference. Uh, can't wait to see how things go moving forward. Uh, we really want to thank you for for joining us here. It was absolutely great to hear what is the plan for moving forward. Well, thank you, Joe and Joe. We, um, you know, we we've got a, a really, really strong group here, and uh, I'll close by just thanking you for the, uh, the chance to talk about the conference. But you know, the world has changed, and sometimes people don't recognize change. And you can compete now at a really high level in football, whereas maybe you couldn't with these schools 30 years ago. But with the exposure we get, with the facilities improvements we've been able to do, with all the, the great things that, that these schools are able to do now, and the attention and branding they get, suddenly Memphis is not your grandfather's Memphis. It's not your grandfather's Temple, which actually got thrown out of the old Big East. That would never happen now. You know, Temple is, is committed. We have a commitment by our administrators, and it's a world in which you have scholarship limits now. You have other things that, uh, you know, transfer limitations. You have other things that allow you to be strong if you're smart. And if you recruit intelligently and if you you know you build your your program uh, the right way and i think that's the the difference you know people say well i don't know how how you guys ever get into the p6 well we're going to get into it it's just a matter of time and i say to people you know there are skeptics out there and i understand that but i said you know you wouldn't have given george washington much of a chance against the british either but you know you have to persevere and you have to find a way to compete and we've done it so i think there's a tremendous future for this conference and the last thing i'll say is the reason 
I, I get so invested in it, uh, and our schools do as well, is we want our student-athletes to compete at the highest level. We want them to feel they're competing at the highest level, and we don't want them ever to feel like second-class citizens when they achieve as much as they've achieved. They really deserve it. I mean, you look at the, the, the headwinds they face, and you look at these great games, Houston beating number three Oklahoma, destroying number three Louisville, uh, you know, all the great wins we've had, uh, the, the UCF season, the UCF win in the, in the uh, Peach Bowl. It's easy after the fact to so, say, oh, yeah, it's very great. That was very nice, you know. But the truth is, prior to these games, we're, we're huge underdogs. There's no way we're going to do it. And then our teams go out and do it. And I think that's the kind of thing that uh, it's what America's all about. It's upward mobility. It's a chance to compete. And that's all we've ever asked for. Um, you know, the label, you know, I know the, the show's a G5 thing, and, and you know, we're in that group now. But branding does matter, and I think it's hurt us in terms of uh, how we're viewed in the college football playoffs and things, that sort of thing. That's why the P6 campaign has been so important. To us. Nothing against our G5 brethren. There's some great teams and great conferences uh, in this group. On the other hand, we never felt we belonged in it. We always felt we were separate and we were closer to the to the you know the, the P5. So it's up to us to make that case. And uh, I think our schools uh, deserve a lot of credit for making that case. So anyway, thanks for having me, fellows. I really appreciate it. Same to you, Commissioner. We really appreciate you joining us. It was uh, an absolute honor to talk to you. No, my pleasure. Same here. Thanks. Thanks thank you. Take, Take care. care. Once again, I want to thank Commissioner Oresco for joining the Underdog Podcast. If you're not already following us on Facebook and Twitter, make sure you do so. And please, please leave us some reviews on whatever route you use to listen to this podcast. I'm Joe Serpico. Thanks for listening to the Underdog Podcast, and we'll talk to you again soon.